0: Answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-W-O-R-T-H.
1: Welcome to All Worth Financials Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McClain. Glad you are here with us today as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself. We come here in the studio to be your financial advisors on the air. And, of course, it's broadcast um, on uh, Terrestrial Radio on Saturdays and Sundays and available via podcast 24-7. So we are glad you are here with us. And oftentimes we take calls throughout the program. If you would like to join us, have a question for us, and would love to take your call to be part of the program. Toll free, it's 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. And numerically, it's 833 And, of course, we'd love to take your call. And we've got a great show. In addition to taking calls, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about— normally we don't talk about legislation until it becomes law. But this looks like it's going to become law. I think there's only three dissenters in Congress on this bill. Passed a couple months ago. Now the Senate's got a similar version. They're working out the differences. I'd be very surprised if it didn't pass in— very similar to what it's at now. And if it, some of these provisions, if they don't pass this time around, we'll see them again. But I'm pretty confident. And normally we don't, uh, like I said, normally until something becomes law, it's just a, it's a it's dream. But when there's 400 and what odd have voted in favor and three against. So it is the setting. It's called the Secure Retirement Act. And it has implications for small employers offering 401Ks it has implications for people turning age 70 and a half and it has tremendous implications for stretch IRAs or people that are named as beneficiaries yeah. of IRAs. And so we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that and of course we'll take your calls uh, and answer some questions as that goes as well. All right? Yeah, Fair let's enough. Let's do that. <laughs> let's go. Huh? Huh? <laughs> All right. Then let's start off in South Carolina. We're going to talk with Mark, Mark you're with Allworth Financial with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Hey, guys, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call.
2: Thank you. This is more of a more of an opinion question, I guess. So Uh-oh. I max out my 401k, max out my IRA, um, have some brokerage accounts, uh, pretty set up for retirement, but I want to diversify. So I'm sitting on about $40,000 in cash, which is a big chunk of my emergency fund. But I'm looking to buy an investment property, about $130,000, $140,000 investment property with probably about a $300 a month positive um, income, showing about 6% to 7% appreciation every year. Do you think it's a good idea, or should I just keep my money in equities in the market and see how it does there?
3: Well, let me ask a couple of questions. How much do you have in your brokerage account outside of IRAs?
2: Uh, about 20000
3: Okay. And how much do you have in your IRAs and 401ks? IRA, about $90,000. 401 k about
2: 390000 How thousand. old are you? 45 Divorce, two kids. You're a good saver.
1: Yes, for sure. Particularly surviving a divorce. <laughs> um, so have yeah, you yeah, yeah. Have you ever
3: owned a rental property before?
2: I have not.
1: And do you own the house you're in now?
2: I do. Well, yes, I mean, you know, I'm paying a mortgage on it, but how, yes.
1: how much what's the value and what's the mortgage balance?
2: Uh, about 400,000, Oh, about 291.
1: And
3: you're 45. What's the interest rate on the house?
2: Uh 3.75.
1: So, what's the rush right now? So I'm just thinking. You're 45 years old. How long ago were you divorced? Uh 10 years ago. Okay, and how old are your kids? 10 and 13.
2: And what did you say the value of the home was?
1: 400.
2: And what uh, are you about own? 400 thousand? I owe about 291 on it. Uh, Scott, so uh,
3: I what? like I like the idea.
1: Do you not like the idea? Well, I mean, it's it's. Uh He's what, taking a little risk, if you didn't have the 401k in IRA right it would be like yeah, 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 it's crazy. How much do you make What's yeah. your what's your how um, much you about
2: 125 a year
1: and he's maxing out his 401k and do you have any other and you're, and you're, so are you con- you said you're maxing out an IRA are you contributing to do a non-deductible IRA A roth IRA okay Roth. all right, good. yeah, I like the idea yeah how much is in your roth? So, how much is in your roth? About, about $90,000. Oh, $90,000 in your Roth. Man, you... he's a yeah. great saver. So you, you, from an emergency reserve standpoint, do you have inside your 401K and IRA, is there anything that's in fixed income? Bonds or cash? No.
2: Well, no. I mean, I have 40000 cash tied up in a online banking Got it. Mm-hmm. where I get two and a quarter percent. But but inside that's your... The money I want to... That's the money I want to use as a down payment on the investment. Project.
1: Yeah, I th- I like it too. Well, I've got a little. I've got a twist on this, so we might have the same twist. Continue. All right, kind. well, tell me your twist. Well, my thought is, I would I would earmark a a portion. Actually, I would put a figure out whatever you think your cash reserve needs are, and I would have that in a more like a short term bond fund. I'd hold it inside the 401K. And the reason inside the 401K, Mm. I think the Roth should be as aggressively invested as possible because those are probably the last dollars you're going to spend. Now, let's say it's two years down the road. You find yourself in a situation. Let's say it's double whammy. We're in a a bad recession. The stock market's way off, and you find yourself in need of an emergency reserve. I would then say, well, if that's the case, let's swap the short-term bond from, from inside the 401K to the Roth. And then let's oh. use let's just pull those dollars out because you can pull out your contributions without any taxes, without any penalties. You don't have to have the money sitting in a CD account at the bank.
3: It's got to be there for five years since the uh, inception they,
1: ha- of uh, the Roth. Yeah, and it, it has to be that you've had to have the Roth yeah. open for more than five years. It'd be ninety grand. S-
3: yeah. So yeah. Uh, I like that idea. I'd take it one step further. I think he should look at refinancing his uh, his first mortgage on his house right now, and taking cash Why out of that.
2: Why refinancing? Well, because the interest rates 7. are 5, yeah,
1: 5. right now there's some. We just had a colleague uh, get three and a quarter, three and a quarter. It's worth looking at. Rates have come way down in the last. Uh, and the yeah, interest rates, that, it,
3: the interest rates going to be lower on your on a primary residence than
1: it. Well, at least exa- at least look at those two options. Well, I would certainly do that, but I think he's okay for it.
3: I don't know if it's the best time to buy a house, but if he's going to plan on holding 20 well, he's years in South
1: Carolina, I have no idea what the market a, is. And this a, house, yeah, a, yeah. is this a particular property that's a Suddenly appeared in your life? No,
2: no. It's just an area that I'm seeing. It's by a military base. Seeing some growth in that area, I can afford the housing in that area. Um, you know, it's just something I really started looking at, and I'm obviously nervous about it. So, are you? A, are you? you know, a,
3: would you do your own repairs? Are you that guy?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, since I'm only going to start on a with one property, yes, I would do a home warranty on it, and then okay. probably I'm not handy, but I would have a home warranty on the house in case something major went wrong, I would have a warranty for it. I, I'm, I'm okay with it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's... it's I think it's good diversification, frankly. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great and idea. And if can you can
1: have you positive, cash, positive cash flow on it, I think it's great. Yes, ask away. Can I ask you another quick question? What do
2: you guys think of Fundrise? You ever heard of the, the REIT?
1: No.
3: Is What's it a, so no? special about is it? Is it a traded or non-traded REIT?
2: Non-traded. Oh, I'm we just, don't like it. it. We don't like it. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't even need and to the know the name of it. How about e- uh, ETFs?
3: Yeah, we're okay with ETFs, but there's a thousand different yeah. flavors of ETF. That's like asking me if I like ice cream. Of course I like ice cream,
1: but I don't like <laughs> every flavor so of ice cream. I
2: like ice cream. <laughs> ETFs, you is think just... ETFs are better than just buying individual stocks.
1: Yes. Here's why. So think of an ETF like a mutual fund, right? A mutual fund is where a bunch of people come together. They create a fund. That's, that's the term, hence the term mutual Um Hire a managing manager, typically, they go out and figure out what are the best securities in the marketplace to own. Then there's also some mutual, no load mutual funds out there that invest in indexes. Think of an ETF as a very similar kind of uh, approach. It's a way where you get diversification, get broad market exposure at a very low cost. For the average person, the, 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 the slight nuances in the difference between ETFs and and mutual funds, essentially – they provide the same thing. They give you exposure to certain e- – e- ETFs add,
3: if you, if you want to trade more often or put callers or other things on them, it's easier to do.
1: Here's why we're not a big, big fan of, of people buying individual stocks, at least for the majority of their portfolio. Most professional money managers, people who get paid a living to pick stocks, who have teams of analysts working for them that do nothing but scour the universe on a daily basis, finding the best companies – Roughly eighty percent of those individuals can't outperform the market. So just from a just from a pure, you know, if I had this argument with my with a let's say a teenager and laid these things out, what do you think the chances are of an individual who's not a full time professional, does not have a degree from Wharton or University of Chicago or Harvard, has a team of analysts? What's the chance of that person going to be out to be able to outsmart? The professional. And in fact, some of the best performing mutual funds, if you look at them and you
3: look at their winners and losers, it's hard to believe that the same person made the same decision on the stock fixed. That's right. <laughs> right. So back to that. ETFs are fine. Non-traded REITs. And I assume that someone approached you to sell you this non-traded REIT.
2: No, I did a little homework online and I put a little bit of money into this company called Fundrise that buys apartment buildings and they renovate them and then you get a percentage of their return and you Get a dividend. I don't know. You can look them up online. It's called yeah. Well, it's, I didn't put much money into it, it, it money it, that I could lose.
3: You can – you can, um, it, but it's, it, it, it doesn't price every day, correct?
2: No. Okay. No, so. How do you get
1: your money out? Yeah, that's the problem. So you
2: just withdraw it with a fee. You get a fee once you take your money out. So if I want to take my money out of it, then they charge you like a 2% fee or something. But the benefit of trading – buying a
3: traded REIT or a traded REIT ETF or mutual fund is that you know the value on a daily basis. You can sell it at any point in time. The underlying investments are similar in terms of strategies and outlook. The difference is it doesn't have – the lock up or the lack of liquidity like a non traded REIT does. And it normally doesn't have the expense or commissions that are paid. Yeah,
1: we're not big to, fans of non traded REITs. So
3: the the non traded REITs are, are not it's yeah, not a, not a good, good idea. And when you and yeah, when so, you're buying this house, it's you're you're buying basically you're creating your own little non traded REIT if you buy a house. So you control. leverage but you control it.
1: And you have so, the so better
3: tax my benefits.
2: Knowing my background a little bit. Would you do investment property or take twenty five thousand
1: dollars and put it into an ETF? I'd no, buy, no, I'd, no, I'd buy, I'd buy the, the investment, investment property. property. If you were my younger brother, yeah. I'm fifty two. You're my younger brother, and you came to me and approached me this. I'd say, first of all, you're doing great by saving. You're saving well for age forty five. Keep doing that. Keep maximizing out inside the four hundred one k and the Roth. Be you know, you're young. To I'd be, be aggressive. Uh, I'd be all stocks, ETFs, and mutual I, funds to yeah. get the exposure there. Mm-hmm. I, but I. And I like the concept of having a rental. They take a little more work. Uh, You got to make sure you buy them right. right? You don't want to overpay for Mm -hmm. them. But over the long term, they can be great to build wealth and to help prepare you for retirement. Because if you think 30 years from now, I'm sorry, 20 years from now when you're at retirement time, if you can structure it so your home's paid off and the rental's paid off. Then you've got a stream of income yeah, that's, uh, that's my point. Yeah, so I appreciate the call, Mark, and wish you well. you know, it's interesting, Pat when he brought up the non-traded REIT, it sounds like he found it online, we're not speaking specifically to the one he mentioned because we've done no background or I research don't know anything on it, about but, it. But as where he mentioned, I'm thinking, why why do non-traded REITs even exist? Do you mean why do they exist?
3: It's the same reason private placements exist. It's indicators. that's what they do. Sometimes they sell property to themselves. It's highly conflicted. It's because the market allows for it. People will buy them. If no one bought them, many people that have they, bought them were sorry they bought them. They're
1: sold them. They are sold them. Typically, this was an, an anomaly. If you ask me, if I yes. learned something online, but yes.
3: The ones that we see come into the office on a regular basis were sold to them by someone with lots and lots of promises behind them. Oftentimes, they talk about distributions. What they fail to mention in the distribution is oftentimes that is a return of your capital. It has nothing to do with what they're just earning.
1: A, just a couple weeks ago, I did a – we do a lot of live uh, events, educational events here, and I did uh, one for Retirement Strategies for the Successful Saver. I think that's what it was titled. It was at a country club, and I think there was 150 people there on a Saturday. Uh, I'm not always a presenter, but I still like doing these things. So I, I And um, afterwards, someone came up and he, he said, Scott, you want to tell me the story about this non-traded REIT? And I think he was hoping he'd, I'd get a different answer from me or something, right? But the value of it has declined since he bought it. He said it was nice and stable for a while. Okay. And then all of a sudden declined. And so his thought was he was going to wait until it was back up to its value and then sell it. If he could sell it at all. Well, that was what my friend, if you can sell it at all. And he says, oh, no, the company will buy it back. They just charge a 5% fee to buy it back. And
3: not always. That's what I
1: said. (laughs) Yeah, not
3: always. Not always. And we actually find out what the... But had he bought a traded REIT, he wouldn't have those problems. And he would have had the same exposure to the same equity
1: class. And oftentimes, these non-traded ones will pay out a distribution that's more than what they're earning, Kind of like these public companies, you hear about them paying these high dividends, even though they're not making money or as much money. They Where are the they getting it from? Well, the principal.
3: Yeah. Either that or they're borrowing money to pay it out. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, so non-traded REITs.
1: Yeah, I would no not. No doubt. Uh, do never, you own any? No, and we've never recommended them. We have 7,000 households as clients and um, four, over $4 billion here at Allworth Financial, formerly Hanson McLean. And um, we, oh, in saying
3: that, we custody some for clients that have brought them in yeah, and they're always to a help in unwind
1: mm-hmm. them, to help
3: them unwind. We'll try to
1: help them unwind them. Yes. But we. But it's a problem, them. typically. Even custody is and sometimes people have them in retirement accounts, and it's, it's even more of a problem. Yeah. And oftentimes the and firms – And then you have required minimum distributions from them. It's even more of a problem. And oftentimes
3: the firms that will custody are not the
1: uh, – The stellar ones, the household names you know of. Yes. That's right. All right, let's uh, continue on with the phones here. 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of Money Matters here. 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Ryan. Ryan, you're with Allworth Financials Money Matters.
4: Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking with you guys. Thanks. Hey, uh, my question is um, I own my own business, and I'm kind of behind the the – The curve here. Um, I'm interested in saving for retirement, and I'm curious if I should go with a a SEP IRA or a standard IRA. Do you have employees? I do. About four employees.
1: Well, how much do you want to save? First of all, for 2019, how much would you like, how much will you save for retirement?
4: (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't have my calculator handy. Um, I guess I've never really put a, a year... A yearly amount it, of of how much I
1: want to save each have year. Have you contributed to an IRA in the past?
4: I do have an IRA set up through a another company, and um, I'm just just making sure that's the right did way. You, or there did way you I contribute more?
1: Did you contribute to an IRA for 2018? A little bit, yes. Okay, and is a little bit a thousand dollars or six thousand
4: dollars? Oh, about six thousand.
1: Okay, so you maximize the IRA, and are you married? I am. Did you did you contribute to your spouse's IRA as I, well?
4: I did not, and and I, that's one thing I'm I'm unsure of. Is like is I'm do I have to like make her an employee okay. to be able to do that, or just just does, uh, does just she have a job I'm able to? No, she does not.
1: So you can do what's called a spousal IRA unless your income was more than one hundred ninety thousand dollars last year. It was okay.
3: Then, all right. but so- then you could do a uh, you could do a non deductible IRA and convert it to a Roth IRA for the both of them.
1: Yeah, but he needs to be saving more than that anyway. If he's, I understand, uh, but
3: with the SEP, Scott, that runs into a whole different problem. He has four employees, so he has to make contributions. How long have their for- How
1: long have their employees been around? Oh, about two years. And what's their what's their pay range? Oh. Say
4: between
1: 40 and 50,000 a okay. year. Okay. Um, here's, yeah. <laughs> so this makes it difficult because if your primary, if, if your sole motivation is to save for your retirement only, if that's your sole motivation, then you're going to have a hard time with a SEP IRA. You're going to have a hard time with a, with a 401K, 401k or a KEO. You're going to have a hard time with all those because you're going to have to contribute to your employees as well. And okay. the funny
3: thing about yes. it is – and let's talk about this a little bit, Scott, because I have these these discussions with business owners that are um, friends of mine who say, well, they put it in for their employees because they want their um, – they want to get the maximum contribution for themselves. And the question I always ask is, is it motivating the employee to either continue to work with you or attract new employees or is it something the employees want or ask for, or would they just – prefer more income. Do they see it as a non-event? So if I said to an employee, I'm going to put a safe harbor of 3% of your pay into a 401k.
1: By the way, that's one way Ryan, if you have if you contribute uh-huh. 3% to your employees, then you can contribute to the maximum for yourself, which is 18,000 in, in the 401k. In the 401k. Right. Uh, okay.
3: And uh, that's easy to do. The SEP has similar rules on it. So y- y- the, But here's the, here's the answer the, to the question is y- yeah, you should be doing something more than you're doing now, um, but I don't know
1: if we're going to get to the answer. Well, here's so what would here's why a SEP at this point looks more attractive to you than say a 401k. It's the setup. A SEP is really quite simple to, to establish. There are some other limitations on it. Um, they're a little more clunky. Once you can contribute to the employees, it's theirs. With a four and with a 401k. Uh, I think they're actually much more robust and you can establish them a lot better. And you, as you can contribute to the employees, if they leave before they're vested, if they leave in the first couple of years, the money stays within the plan. So it encourages them to stick around. And at the beginning of the program today, we mentioned that there is a, a bill that just passed Congress. The Secure
3: Retirement Act.
1: Which we're going to talk more about during the show. But as part of this, and it sailed through the House, it's the similar version in the Senate we normally don't talk about legislation until it's signed by the administration, but this looks like it's going to become law. And as part of this, and this has been, been lobbied for a number of years, they're going to allow for collective 401K plans, which allow for small employers like yourself to band together with other small employers. What you'll see is the marketplace will well, come up with plans. I can right?
3: assure you when this happens, we will create a collective
1: 401K. Our, we, have a 401k we have a retirement division here. People, They've already been— Kind yes, gearing they, up for
3: it. they've been gearing up for this. So what happens is that I could go to your business, Ryan. I could go to other businesses like you that have three or four or five employees, and we can say, we're going to spread the cost of the administration over a large number of people versus a small number of people. So what makes the SEP attractive right. right now is that the low
1: administration cost of but doing they're, in, But, they, they, but they're, they're clunky s- as heck. Yeah, they are clunky. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get out of compliance. I've seen people out of compliance. they' don't even realize it. Yes, the the four hundred
3: one ks are are more expensive but less clunky. What should he do today? I would
1: wait. I I would actually make the. I would I agree it's, with that. It's mid it's mid two thousand and nineteen. Wait, I'd wait. You haven't, Ryan. You have until December thirty first of this calendar year to establish a retirement plan for your business, and you have until the time you file your taxes to fund it. And Scott, having I mean, so oh, what I, that even, what that means, even if you you can establish a set by December thirty first.
3: And fund it till next year. But even in saying that, if he decides to do neither, neither, he could actually just fund his 401k for he and his spouse, or excuse me, an IRA for he and his yeah. spouse, non deductible IRA, and convert it to a Roth. So the answer to the question is call us back in October, November. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> or just <laughs> if, if you see that it's under its current term, it's called the Secure Act, Secure Retirement Act. If you see that, uh, it coming along. It just that, I think, cause it really for you, you're like the perfect example. Cause you don't have a 401k set up now. One, they're, they're kind of expensive. They're just, it's just another thing for you to deal with. You're, you're not large enough where you've got an HR department or a CFO right. that can handle all this. Right. It's so you doing all of it, you do, you, you, you <laughs> do all that stuff. As a small business owner, you got the size, you're doing all that stuff yourself. So, um, uh, that's why it'd be, a, it'd be a bit of a challenge to set that up today. But, I, I'm, I'm, if I were a betting man, I'm going to bet this is going to pass, and you'll see before the year's out, you'll see some collective 401K plans designed for small businesses like yourself come together, spread the cost out amongst uh, many different employers. So don't do anything for right now. Yeah. Except set, right, the sun, set your money aside that you'll contribute to the retirement plan. And,
3: and, Ryan, how long have you been in business?
1: Oh, about six years.
3: And has your income gone up every year?
1: Yes. Oh, good for you. Congrats! What are your biggest? What are your biggest? Uh, as a business owner, what are your biggest headwinds right now? Your biggest risk? What wakes you up in the middle of the night, business wise? Just out of curiosity.
0: Um,
4: I probably workers' comp insurance. Uh, it's a it's always a fight uh, classifying employees. Um, are, you, are you in the trades? That's the biggest thing. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so it does wake me up at night for you, sure.
3: You know, it, it's what I've I've got some repairs going on at my house, and the and. Uh, outside and they're on scaffolding, there's some uh repairs needed to be done. And when I looked at the hourly rate the contractor was charging me, I was trying to figure out in my head what percentage of that was going to workers' comp.
1: You could have asked the contractor. I you know, guess if I, I, could have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's hiding anything from you.
4: Yeah, we're we're at thirteen percent right now. 13% wow for us. So. I think like
1: roofers are the highest, isn't something like that? Oh, yes, yes, they
4: are. Yeah. So I heard I'd give up to almost 25% So, sometimes. So,
1: All right, Well, keep up the yeah. great work. Yeah, good luck to you, Ryan. Back, Thank
3: you very much. Backbone of the American economy, small business.
1: Truly. <laughs> Everyone likes to say that, I know. It is true. But it is a challenge <laughs> if you work for a small employer to have a retirement plan. And that's what this, this, this bill uh, is addressing. And I think, frankly, it's funny. I, I was interviewed by a, um, a, a writer for a financial publication and um, – we we're talking about a different provisions. We're going to talk more about this when we come back in the break of the, some of the changes that are we're going to be coming. And she says, "Well, it doesn't sound very consumer friendly." And I said, "No, no, 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 no," because she was—it was a wealthy magazine that this, oh. she was asking. Me. So th- I said, "No, no, no." I said, "This is extremely beneficial to many Americans that work for small employers." Because small employers just won't spend the money if to set you up a plan. If you worked for Ryan right now, you wouldn't have a 401K. And you might be at your friends like, well, you're not saving your 401K. I wish I could, but I don't have one. And it takes a lot of discipline to set up an IRA if you're an employee. Yeah, it does. So having a 401K, uh, I think is I think this will be of great benefit. We're taking a quick break. If you'd like to be part of our program, love to take your call. Our toll-free line is 833-99-WORTH. That's 833 833-99- 99 Worth numerically it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. You're listening to Scott Hansen and Pat McLean, Allworth Financial's Money Matters. We'll be right back.
0: Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com/radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to All
1: Worth Financials Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Glad you are here with us, sticking around for our second half of our program on this fantastic weekend, post July 4th. Yes. Celebration, all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we're, 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 we're going to talk some in this segment about the Secure Retirement Act and the provisions, how it might impact people who are, have required minimum distributions.
3: How it's going to affect your beneficiaries on your IRAs. And we're going to talk about why it's good for small employers. Yes.
1: Which we just talked about that. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about it some more. Yeah, well, it's, it's why, not? why not? Why <laughs> not? If As long as we find it inform- informational. Listen. That's All right, let's uh, take some calls. We'll go to 833-99-WORTH. Again, to join us, 833-99-WORTH. And we are in Sacramento with Zach. Zach, you're with Allworth Financials, Money Matters, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean.
5: Hi, thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Um, two questions for you. Uh, my company offers a um, traditional 401k and a 401k Roth. So I've been putting 16% in the, the tr- traditional 401k and 2% in the 401k law. Um What I'm wondering is with the new tax laws for the higher standard deduction, is that uh, does it make sense to swap those two percentages? And then the second question is there's a lot of information on tax-friendly states, but I couldn't seem to find any information on uh, – if the U.S. territories
1: were any tax-friendly at all. Uh, Well, the U.S. territories can be extremely tax-friendly. For example, Puerto Rico, there's no federal income taxes. I'm not sure about IRA withdrawals there, Pat. I don't know. I I didn't even
3: know that it was federally tax-free Yeah, because
1: I had someone who was trying to tell me how great his life is in Puerto Rico. He he moved his business to Puerto Rico. He's trying to convince me I should move to Puerto Rico. And I'm thinking, I don't care how much the tax savings is. I'm not moving to Puerto Rico. (laughs) Everyone's leaving Puerto Rico. (laughs) Why in the world should you have a couple more bucks saved in tax? I'm not going to Puerto Rico. Um,
3: So So let's answer your the first question about the 401k and the Roth. Uh, What's your approximate income, and what's your family's income?
5: Um, I'm about seventy thousand a year. Um, Married, um, about 130k in the IRA, about 65k in a for a 1K and about 4K in the Roth.
3: And does your wife work outside of the home?
5: Uh, yes, she does.
3: And what's her income?
5: Uh, she's at the low end, probably like 20K a year.
1: How old are you? I'm 41. And you live in California, is that right? Y- yes. And are you pretty confident you're going to leave this state?
5: Oh, no, no. I'm just researching because I, I know I've got time on my hands, about 20-something years left, so I'm just doing my research. If I
1: were you, I would use the Roth. I would as well. Because you are in it. And if, with the new standard deduction, a married couple can have about 103000 of income and still be in a 12% tax bracket. When you go above that, you move from 12 to 22%. This is federal. Okay? hmm uh-huh. You got the state on top of it. But, I mean, if— what we end up finding is those that have done a good job savers, so your early 40s, you're your maximizing your 401K. Those that do a good job saving, by the time they get to retirement, their home's paid off, the kids are grown and gone. Oftentimes, they end up in higher tax brackets, the, not lower. So the only caveat
3: to this is if you plan on moving to a zero-income tax state at some point in time, and even then— Even
1: then, it's still the big, he'd still be better off. He'd still my be opinion. better
3: off. And by the way, you're a great saver, Zach. Oh, thank you. You're a really good saver. Good saver. That's uh, that's actually pretty impressive. So the answer to that question is use the Roth and be as aggressive okay. as you possibly can.
5: Awesome.
1: And as, In regards to um, other territories, the challenge you've got is – is I mean, with the Roth IRA, it's tax-free by its it nature. It doesn't matter at that so point. So it's not going to matter. It doesn't. As far as the IRA, I'm not – well, I, I've had we've had clients who live all over the world, but um, when money comes out of an IRA, it gets taxed. Most of them don't mm-hmm.
3: move to territories, though
1: they move to places that, that's like why I don't know Costa Rica I, that's, that's, or oh they move God, that's, to that's, Ecuador. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, most of have clients that live in, in yeah Latin America, yeah Central America, um, Asia. Yep, yep. I don't. I can't think of a one cl- person that I've dealt with that has moved to a U.S. territory. No. They okay. tend not to be Thank the most uh, economically vibrant, and they're not attracting a lot of <laughs> retirees. That's that. That's the truth, right? Where it's uh, all, right. all right. Appreciate all right. it, Zach. But it's interesting, Pat, as we're seeing. We see more. I mean, like Ecuador, there's a oh. huge population of uh, retirees.
3: When I I went there, there was whole communities. I went there. My son studied there for four or five months, and he brought me to this place called Gringoville. Their
1: name, not mine. That's not really what the science says. Going into it. Gringoville. That's what they called it, Gringoville,
3: and it was like was as American as, as the U.S. And by the way, the fruits and vegetables there are excellent. Excellent. I mean, being <laughs> on the equator. <laughs> it's got that going for it? It does. And good health care, relatively low cost of uh, living. People that retire there, they oftentimes will retire on Social Security and not much more, or buy a small house and retire on Social Security and not much more.
1: Well, yeah, and even down in Baja, there are many people that— um, If you get to retirement and for whatever reason you find yourself with very few financial resources, Social Security doesn't go too far in the United States. But it can go far in other places. Yeah. I don't know many people that have chosen to live there and have ample resources. They have second residences. In
3: Costa Rica, most certainly, people oftentimes have second residences.
1: But some of those, the, the cheap beach properties in most of the parts of the world that you can access easily have... They're Got all, to the point where they're, t- they're all bought up. Yeah. And so, anyway, it's always... Uh, Actually, I was in Costa Rica with my... Look at you, the world traveler. Well, I was in Ecuador two weeks ago and... Uh, <laughs> that was over <laughs> years. <the> Costa Rica, <laughs> <laughs> a over, month prior.
3: Over years, years. I was in... Uh, uh, we were in Costa Rica and uh, we were at this hotel and I was in the swimming pool. And I swim across and I look up and there's a the guy. <laughs> no. From... El Hills, where I live.
1: My guess is you weren't at like some, uh, like low cost <laughs> motel, in the in the middle of San it, Jose, Costa Rica. That, you were probably that, at some beach yeah, resortish. Yeah, but type even then, it
3: wasn't, oh, you know, a couple hundred dollars a night. Oh no, my, you your dollar goes yeah. oh, really far. Yes, but I was not in San Jose. Yes, that is correct.
1: But by, I've been to Costa Rica twice with uh, my family. I think it is a spectacular place. Beautiful. Um, A lot of people go on the West Coast Coast. go to Hawaii, and about the same amount of time you can get into Costa Rica, and it's um, beautiful. Yeah, and your dollar goes a lot further. And um, anyway, I don't know why we're talking about vacation spots. We've turned into a travel show. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to us? (laughs) And neither time I went, I got any sort of uh, bad stomach issue like was very typical if I go to other developing economies. Yes. Is it fair to call Costa Rica a developing economy? What do we call those these these days I without know. being insulting to them? I don't know. Seems I don't know. Some parts need to be developed. That's all I know. <laughs> anyway, um, to, to, to join our program, toll free, it's 833-99-WORTH. Again, 833-99-WORTH. And numerically, it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. 6784 And let's talk to Jack. Jack, you're with All Worth Financials Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Hey guys, how are you today? Wonderful. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing fine. How can we help? My question
4: is, I recently retired and I'm pretty comfortable. And I look at the stock market, it's going up and down and up and down. And I look at CDs and I look at bonds and they're paying next to nothing. And I'm wondering about getting into uh, buying some gold or silver or some sort of a commodity like that. And I'd like to get your point of view. I know gold is higher than it's been for over a year, but it just seems that that might be a secure way of uh, dodging any kind of bad bullet might be coming up. Have have uh, Have you
3: charted gold back 50 years against other asset classes? No,
4: I have not. Okay. I, I just have begun looking at it, and I have been looking recently at its performance, and I know it's doing so, pretty so well. So, uh,
3: right
4: you said, how, how, how
1: old are you, Jack? You said you're 60? 65. 65. All right. So, I, 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 let's take a step further back. I think um, when you're working, you're contributing to your 401k, whatnot. You don't have to think about these things as much. Your accounts are growing because you're saving. Now you're retired, right? you got a lot of time on your hands. Yep. No longer are you contributing to your retirement savings. Maybe you're actually pulling some money out. Now you start watching CNBC a little more, watching the markets, right? And you can find so much information out there of why the markets, about stock market's going to crash. You can find all kinds of information why gold is the best place to invest right now. But I think it comes down to what, what's your investment philosophy going to be? And is it one of... It really comes down to these two things. One is I'm going to try to predict markets. I'm going to try to follow trends and move my assets based upon what I believe is going to go up in the near-term future. Is that it? Or is it going to be, secondly, I can't predict the future. Nobody can predict the future. Rather than try to speculate, I'm going to have a portfolio that's designed to weather whatever stormers might come because they will come and have things structured in a manner so that regardless of what comes, my retirement's going to be, I've got a high probability of a secure retirement. That's what it really comes down to, one of those two things. And it might be 80% of my portfolio, I'm going to have kind of with the, the latter philosophy, which is I can't predict the future, and maybe play around with 10 or 20%. But the challenge at saying, I'm going to take all my money away from these companies, which is what stocks are, They're your only, I'm going to remove myself from owning these companies that produce products and goods and everything else and go into this store of wealth. The only way you're going to make money on gold is if you find someone who's willing to pay more for it than you did.
3: And what ultimately determines the price of gold is how much it costs to take, to take out of the ground. Because if the price goes up too high, people actually start opening new mines. how it works. It's commodity. You can, Pretend it's not a commodity, but it's a commodity. So, But the answer to your question, and I appreciate what Scott is saying, which is just because you now have started paying attention to the markets doesn't mean the markets have changed. They've been this way forever, ups and downs, ins right. and outs, You're right? Low interest rate, higher interest rates environments. Jack, you need a portfolio that is about 50 to 60% stock, the rest bonds, cash, and some liquid alternatives with possibly a sprinkling clean- of gold and silver, possibly just a tad of gold and silver in there. And that's what you need for a portfolio. You need to figure out what kind of withdrawal rate you need on that portfolio in order to keep your standard of living and then make sure that you keep that portfolio balanced to that number so if it's 50% stock that going forward in markets where the dollars where the equities are going up in value you sell a little bit more of those and buy bonds when the markets are going down in value you sell bonds and some liquid alternatives and buy a little bit more stocks that's what you need you don't need to tune into CNBC and worry about what's going on on a those day-to-day basis those guys don't basis. know
1: they haven't a clue
3: listen so over the last few weeks stuff talking about the all over the map. The Fed, interest rates, lowering, positive. So, so what happened is you're reacting to the market just because it's new, relatively new information and you have time to ruminate on it. Go get yourself a bicycle, pick up a hobby, bowling, <laughs> fishing, something like that. Put yourself in a portfolio that is well-balanced and call it a day.
1: And but hire an advisor think, if you need to. I, I think you're doing the – but you are doing the right thing, Jack, by, by looking into this because there will be a time – when things are going to go down. Here's why we're believers in, in stocks over the long term. Because if you go back about 100 years to 1925, they've returned about 10% a year. Much better than anything. Gold has done horribly over that time. So over the long term, they're going to do well. And I think it's the highest probability. I started in this industry in uh, 1990. When I started, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was about 2,600. It's up roughly tenfold in that almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's going to be tenfold in the next 30 years, but I'm pretty confident that's, that the U.S. economy is going to continue to grow. But we will have some downturns. So the kind of the key is whatever you've got in those long-term growth assets need to be for the longer term. That's why Pat said maybe 50 percent of your portfolio should be in some of the – and then having money in more secure investments to take care of the short-term income needs if you're taking some income out of it. But I think gold is a sucker's bet. I would buy it. The only time people want to buy it is when it's up. Or when they want to get married. Well, we had promised at the first part of the program we were going to talk about this Secure Retirement Act, and we tend not to discuss legislation until it's law because, well, there's all kinds of crazy bills, particularly on the state level. and um...
3: Yes, and it, if we c- talked about them all the time, this looks like it's going to pass, and in fact, we think it should pass. We think that it's going to be good for... Most
1: consumers. There's a couple of things in it I didn't like, but. Let's talk about those. So here are the major, so here are the major provisions. This is the Secure Retirement Act. The long name for it is setting every retirement community up for retirement enhancement. And I somehow get. Setting
3: every community. Every community, uh, sorry. Up for retirement
1: enhancement setting every community up for retirement enhancement. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm glad we um, elect these Brilliant. people to Congress. They, uh-huh. I would have liked to have been there for the- well, Let's get the marketing people on the, that. The meetings they got behind. How do we come up with a good, cool uh-huh. acronym? Something that sounds secure. Secure. And part of this, one of the provisions is that it enables small employers to band together and have a- Think of like a communal 401k. So instead of just Bob's Tire Shop, for example, that might have four employees, Bob's Tire Shop can join up with the florist shop, can join up with the contractor, can join up with a number of other small businesses, and they all come together and have one 401k. And unions have done something
3: similar to this for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unions Unions have done this for a
1: long time. So as part of this, and I think this is probably one of the key features as far as setting every— community up for retirement enhancement. This is clearly going to enable more people to save in their 401k. Yes. right. People so, that
3: would otherwise, because of their choice of employers, would not be allowed to save as much money towards their retirement.
1: But there are also some provisions in here that deal with, that are not going to be beneficial to those that are at retirement that have saved uh, large sums in their retirement plans. And that is the beneficiary? The, st- l- the loss of the stretch IRA. So explain what the stretch IRA is. So an IRA, we have an IRA or 401k or 403b or any sort of other qualified retirement plan. Keo, for example. Uh, ESOP. The, any sort of qualified retirement plan, that is a plan that has tax-deferred growth on it. At um, th- Those dollars have yet to be taxed and one day they will be taxed, either during our lifetime when we take withdrawals or upon our death when our heirs take withdrawals and under current uh, pr- current law, you pass away, you leave your retirement account to your spouse. Your spouse could continue on with over their life expectancy. And when you both pass away, you can leave it to well anyone you want. But let's assume you leave it to your children. They can then take this retirement account and their required minimum distributions are based upon their life expectancy. Regardless of their age. As an example, my mother-in-law passed away unexpectedly seven or eight years ago. Left my wife with a modest uh, IRA. Okay. Here's how it kind of works. Three beneficiaries. It was split three ways. Each beneficiary had a choice of how to withdraw the money. And some just
3: decided to take it right away?
1: Don't know how the other ones took it, frankly, but it's their business. Yep. For my wife, kept it in the IRA, and the way these basically work is— the original owner of the IRA's name is, re- remains on it, and the account's titled as a beneficiary IRA. And the dollars are distributed? Based upon my wife's life expectancy. Now, my wife was maybe, what, 44 or something at that time? Yep. So I don't know without looking it up, but a, a, a life expectancy... 30 years. Well, it's probably 40 years. Yep. Life expectancy of a 43-year-old is probably 40 years. Yep, going to be paid out over that period of time. So her required minimum distribution... First year is one fortieth of the account. Second year is one thirty ninth. Third year is one thirty eighth, etc. We get it. We okay, we get it. So, but with this, uh, she's been able to preserve the tax free nature of this,
3: and oftentimes
1: see growth, see growth. above and above. An, but Scott, because the retirement the requirement of distribution has just been two and a half percent. So Scott,
3: what we're seeing is that the large, large, large IRAs. That used to be because of the way defined benefit plans and Kios used to work. There, it isn't unusual to find a doctor or lawyer with multi million dollars Correct. in their for in their IRAs. Not unusual at all. Correct. Do you think going forward it's going to look that way?
1: Well, I don't know. So here's what's happening with this provision. So I don't think it's all that bad. I think it. Can I, when we okay. s- finish explaining what the changes, okay, then you can you talk about whether it's going good or bad. To argue with you. <laughs> so. <laughs> Under this new provision that is set, that looks to me like it's going to become law, they are going to disallow the stretch IRA for anyone other than a spouse or like a disabled uh, child. And then how long will the dollars- Ten years. The accounts must be distributed within ten years, which means the money has to come out. The taxes had to be paid. So your example of a doctor, let's say that there's a retired physician who's 78 years old, passes away, leaves a large retirement account to their child, who's also a physician. Okay. Already has high High income. income. Now the child has to start withdrawing those dollars. If they don't, by the end of 10 years, the whole thing needs to be distributed and taxes paid. Okay. Same thing's going to happen with Roth. No more stretching these rots out. I clearly see why Congress— Because, first of all, it impacts such a small percentage of
3: the population. Well, that
1: a, a higher percentage of our listeners, right? You who are listening to this, via okay. podcast, you might be thinking, oh, son of a— you know. Well, you would use
3: it for estate planning. Maybe you actually would start kicking those dollars out a little bit earlier based upon uh, the marginal tax rate of your beneficiaries and based on your marginal tax
1: rate there are many changes to it. if you have a largest uh, IRA maybe if
3: you're in, uh, if you're inclined to do uh, charitable giving that you actually f- use the IRA I've done that with many many of my clients
1: you might even do it use the required minimum distribution to fund uh, re- some uh, nonprofits right yes, now right now as a result of this so
3: it it clearly isn't good for the higher net worth
1: but they are pushing the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. Big deal. A little bit. And if you're at that point where it's that big of a problem for you, I'm not feeling too bad no, for you. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no. Am I, what? The, the planning you probably you you probably need to be taking out Money you might need before, to be, if, before,
3: in fact, yes, if it's that huge of an issue. If your required minimum distributions at age 70 and a half or 72 are driving you up into a higher marginal tax rate, then you probably should have been converting to a Roth
1: IRA earlier. Uh, some of the other changes we've seen in there, they're allowing uh workers to contribute who are 70 and older to conti- continue to contributing to their IRAs, which, which they is good. right now. Well, that's a good thing, that's yeah, great because yeah. you're seeing more and more people, those Work after the age, and of- also we're seeing the that uh, we'll have insurance companies now offer immediate annuities inside 401k plans. All that really means is not the kind of annuities that we bash all the time. These index annuities. These are basically you give up a lump sum of your money in exchange for a, think of it like a pension plan exchange for a monthly income designed to pay your in the, in the 401k, but you make that election
3: going into the deposits, not at some point in time. That's what I don't know.
1: We'll see how it it comes out.
3: That's, that is a dangerous um,
1: place to live, <laughs> right? When you're 50, well, the fact decided- is right now, you could already, you go to retire. That's right. You have, let's say you've got a million bucks set up in your 401k and you say, I'm going to have some guaranteed income. You could take a quarter of it, whatever percent you want. Go to shop a bunch of insurance companies and say, I want a lifetime pension equivalent. Give me an immediate annuity. That's going to be pay me to my dying day. If I die early, continue to pay to my spouse. That's already available. That's already
3: available, and you can go shop as a consumer. But putting money into an immediate annuity to be paid out in 10 to 15 years seems a little bit dangerous to me. Because life changes. Uh, A lot. Yeah. Your health changes. Your circumstances.
1: Anyway, so we we will keep you posted as this—
3: But all in all, I think it's good.
1: Agreed? uh, Fully. All in all, it's a good thing. I I don't like the the elimination of the— Stretch IRA, but it's one of those things where it's like, come on. It, it's uh, what percentage? It, it, and it. it, it the, the reality uh, is the people that inherit, oftentimes, who
3: inherit the IRAs are not the people that save the money. They hack differently.
1: You think? <laughs> right? I was talking to someone about, uh, I do mountain biking, and they, what's the town in Walmart came from uh, uh, where it was in uh, Arkansas? Bentonville. Bentonville. Apparently, <laughs> the Walmart heirs have spent. Cobs of money creating these phenomenal mountain bike parks there. Oh, I've heard that. And there's, you can do, they have helicopter, the helicopters take them up to the top and then they could uh, ride down. I heard it is like the Mecca.
3: I guess one of the Walmart airs is yes. quite the mountain bike rider. Well, you
1: got billions of dollars because your grandfather was so frugal and had this vision of creating low cost goods to the average American. I'm saying mountain bikes are in my future. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sometimes you look at how, particularly the third heirs. generation spend the money. Yes. Think about all that too as you're stretching out your IRA as long as possible. Yeah, think
3: about how are my kids going to spend this.
1: So, hey, we are uh, we are getting short on time here. Want to remind our listeners, remind you of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we've got a we have a lot of articles on our website at allworthfinancial.com, and uh, some tend to you know the nice thing about the digital world, you can see if anyone's reading it. It's not like a print the newspapers. Like, I wonder if people actually read that article. Online, you can say, what, what's resonating with people? And there was uh, an article recently that uh, tended to resonate well with uh, many of our uh, subscribers to our newsletter. And if you're not a subscriber, we encourage you to subscribe. It comes out every week, and it is free, allworthfinancial.com. You can sign up for it. But this particular article is three key, three key strategies so you don't outlive your money. And then those three areas we talk about, finding the proper investment mix, planning your taxes in advance, which is something I think a lot of people overlook, and how to strategize your distributions. So it's a good article, but it's also there's a lot of good articles on there I would encourage you to go check out that article. I think you would uh, I think you would appreciate it. So that's all the time we have for this week. We hope everyone's enjoyed uh, their Fourth of July and have a great rest of the weekend. We will see you next week. This has been All worth Financials Money Matters with Scott Hansen
0: and Pat McLean.